Amen, saints of God. Once again, amen. In our study of the Word of God today, we are going to the book of Nehemiah. Uh, this time, Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, starting with verse 1, you will find these words. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Here, O oh our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to close, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. In our series of lessons on leadership, today I want to talk to you about the idea that godly leaders will suffer criticism. Godly leaders will suffer criticism. At the outset of the series of lessons on leadership, we established that leadership really comes out of a time of chaos and despair. It comes out of a time when things are going, quote unquote, the wrong way. So here at this time, we must understand that during this time, it is now the 4th century B.C. The 4th century B.C. is a significant century because it is the century that came right out of the great destruction, amen, of the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom in the 5th century B.C., 522 B.C., were exiled and carried out by the Babylonians. But the Babylonians didn't stop there. They burned the walls of Jerusalem and they burned down the gates. They left Judah and Jerusalem in dire straits. They left behind only the weak and the what we would call the unchoice, the cripple and the lame and, and those who were halt. But they left them in a place of despair, in a place of desolation. But out of times like this, out of times when things have been broken down, is the time at which a leader shines. 
It is the time at which leadership is needed most. When everything is going well and every piston is firing in its rhythm, amen, leadership is not needed so much at that time. But it's in the times when the pistons are misfiring and the valves are sticking, amen, do leadership need to take hold of the reins. But I contend with you that it's not just any leadership, but it's godly leadership. Because you do know there are some other leaders out there that are leaders in the kingdom of the enemy. Amen. And they lead, but they don't lead to everlasting bliss. They lead to everlasting destruction. But then we find ourselves here in this text. Amen. We find ourselves in a time when God's people are being despised, when God's people are in a place of reproach. And it's not because God's people had been so good. Actually, it's because God's people had been so disobedient. But the good news is that God does not desire judgment, but he desires mercy. So after 522 B.C., amen, the destruction of the southern kingdom occurred. And it was for a time, amen, a number of years, a number of decades, but yet God had not forgotten his people. When those who once lived in Jerusalem may have thought it's over now. It's over now. The northern kingdom has been dismantled by the Assyrians. And the Assyrians almost got us in the 7th century. But then coming into the 5th century, here comes the Babylonians. And they did get us. They carried us into captivity. Some of us with hooks in our nose. They tore down our walls. They burned our gates. They tore down our palaces. And now we're living in a barren land. We're living in a place that is not our own. We have lost our identity. Nobody's talking about Jerusalem anymore as being a great place or being the place on the hill. Nobody's talking good things about that. Folks have forgotten all about us. Our leaders and our choice people have been brought into the kingdom of Babylon who's gone under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar and his dynasty and they are lost in the midst. Even some of the Judeans were saying, how can we play our harps in a strange land. Why should we play our hearts by the rivers of Babylon? Amen. This is not our home. By now, some people have thrown in the towel and decided that there will never be a home again. What's the use? Why should we even try? Let's assimilate into the Babylonian kingdom and go on. And then we die. But God, even though everything seemed to be over, God had a plan for his people. And I want you to know today that God has a plan for you and for me. Even when we're going through the times when it seems like everything is desolate, nothing's going anywhere. Don't you forget God because God is not slack according to his promises. A day is to a thousand years as a thousand years is to a day with the Lord. See, the Lord ain't in no rush. We might be microwave, but he's not. Amen. And even though it looks like everything is over, don't you count out God? Because he's not done until he says he's done. And God says that he would restore his people, that he would bring them to a place again. Amen. And that he had some work for his people yet to do. So here the 5th century has passed and now we're into the 4th century and God reaches 800 miles down the road. Reaches down the road to a place that the people were not even thinking about. I mean, after all, it's another pagan nation. It's another place of, of, of idol worship. I mean, it's the place called Persia. But God had nestled in Persia one of his. He had nestled in Persia one of his that they did not even expect. And his name is Nehemiah. I want you to know today, saints of God, after you have looked around and you think there is nobody left, after you think there's nobody that can come alongside you to help you along the way, I want you to know that God has some folk in the city. You might not know where they're at, but God does. And that's all that really matters, right? Because when God gets ready, amen, he can pluck folks out of the backside of East Hale and bring them to your rescue. Amen? 
That's what God can do. Amen. There are folks that come out of slants and out of juxtapositions and all kind of directions. Amen. And you're wondering where they came from. But God knows. And he knows exactly who you need in your life and when. And for the nation of Judah, it was Nehemiah in the next century. Nehemiah being the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes, amen, positioned and placed in a place that he would be able to go and work for God's people and that he would have at his disposal, being a Jew, the resources of the Persians. Now, ain't that something? A pagan nation, amen, that really ain't about the things that of God. They got their own religion. But when God grabs a hold to the heart of a king, it's like putty in his hands. Right. See, the kings and the princes of this world, as we studied in our Sunday school lesson today, they're nobody. Not in the midst of a sovereign God. God can bring up who he wants to and bring down who he wants to right. when he wants to. Right. Those who think they have got themselves by their own bootstraps and have brought themselves to some place of prominence, the only reason why they're there is because of God. And if God wants to, he can change and move their hearts like the rivers and at the streams and they'll go wherever he wants them to go. And so Artaxerxes had to bow to a king that was greater than his kingship, the kingship of the Lord. So he provided Nehemiah with what he needed. But you know where it all started? It started with prayer. See, when you see a situation that needs to be handled, you see some stuff and some folks that need to be helped, you got to start with prayer because you got to get in line with God because you can go out there beside yourself and you can get in front of God and make a bigger mess than what's already there. Amen? So it started with prayer. But I move quickly, amen, to this fourth chapter because we want to deal with something that keeps a lot of leaders immobile keeps a lot of leaders shut down, and that is criticism. There is a saying that says, um, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I wish that was true. I, I, I wish that was true. It sounds good. And at one point, I kind of believed it until somebody started talking about me. Until somebody started scanning my name. So, some people got me out in public, amen, and demoralized me with the words that they said. Well, I found out that words will hurt you. Amen. And that is one of the things called criticism that keeps the leader from moving forward. Nobody really wants to be talked about. Nobody wants their name scandalized. Nobody wants folks constantly demoralizing them in front of other people. No, because it hurts. Amen. But I want you to know, saints of God, every one of you, amen, who will make the choice to work for the Lord, amen, criticism comes with the territory. There's no way you can do something for God in this world and not be criticized. It's impossible. Because everything that God stands for, everything that Jesus Christ stands for, is an offense to this world. So therefore, everything you do for the Lord becomes an offense in this world. So one of the things we've got to get past if we're ever going to be the leaders that God is calling us to be, is we got to get past criticism. And I want you to know, the higher you go in leadership with the Lord, the more criticism comes. If I could just tell you how many times that I'm criticized by folks who, not just things that I might do here that people know of, but folks who don't even go to New Zion. They're nowhere to be seen around here, but they're criticizing. They have no idea what's going on over here, but they got something to say. Amen. And if I start listening to what everybody else said, I never get nothing done. I never be able to move forward to do nothing because everybody is trying to say something. Some of them meaningful, but some of them with ill intent. 
But what you must do, leaders, you must understand is that your call is by God. There's really one voice that you got to hear. A lot of these other voices over here, you got to tune them out because it is God that has called you to the mission and the mission field that you're on. Their folks are always going to talk crazy about what you're doing. And the more you do, the more they're going to be angered. Because many of them are against God anyway. But what you also must realize is that the battle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against principalities and powers. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. So a lot of times we see the person, amen, but we don't see the spirit behind them. See, Satan is not going to sit up and just allow you to do for the Lord and to tear his kingdom down and to build God's kingdom up without a fight. Amen. And unfortunately, hell has enlarged herself because of the hardness of men's heart. Therefore, there is a large contingent of folks working for the devil. Whether they know it or not, they are under the prince of the power of the air. Therefore, I want you to know, if you're going to do something for the Lord, expect criticism. It comes with the territory, and you cannot lead without it. Amen? Looking at our text, we see that here in the first few verses that Sanballat, uh, the, 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 the Horonite, the, the, the Jebusites, the, the Ashadites, and all of these different people. But Sanballat is listening. And he heard that the rebuilding of the wall, he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. Now, uh, remember something. Is this not the first time we've heard from this critic? This is not the first time we've heard against this slanderer, Sanballat. Amen. Before uh, our main man, Nehemiah, could even get down to Judah, he already started. Because the enemy is watching all the time. He's got imps in all kind of places, amen, that are reporting back to him, amen, and he is on his job. So you can expect criticism from the very outset of the work you're going to do for the Lord and all the way through. He is a tenacious enemy. He is a tenacious adversary and he does not quit. So we see in the text and then the enemy uh, remember how we talk about so many times that it all starts in the garden. It all starts in the garden of Eden because that's the first time we find out the nature of our enemy. We find out that the serpent was more cunning than any other beast in the field. And because he's this way, he is a master of leverage. Why do I say that? Well, let's look at the text. He says, and he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Well, the first thing I want you to notice is that now Sanballat, Geshem, Tobias has now grown. It's grown beyond just them three because it grown from two to three already now to the army of Samaria as well. Because the enemy is about leverage. He wants to get as many involved as possible to stop you from doing what you were supposed to do for the Lord. But then he disparages, he, he sends a, a demoralizing word to the Jews when he asks the question, what are these feeble Jews doing? I, I, I look at that and I realize the short-sightedness of the enemy. Because the enemy said, what are these feeble Jews doing? As a matter of fact, he was on target. But the problem is that he looked at the feebleness of the Jews, but did not look at the sovereign power of God. See, the reality is we as leaders, we are feeble. Amen. We are fragile beings. 
And that's why it's not us, but it's the God that lives in us. Amen. Amen. Paul the apostle made it clear. The great apostle said, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. He said, I don't do these things by my own power, but by the power of God. He said, yet that I spend my time, that I show the power of the Lord, the simplicity of the gospel. So the enemy is right in that, but they forget about the power of God. So when they say against you, say you're weak and you're this, you can say yes, that's right, but my God is strong. And that I stand on the word of God in saying that when my weakness, he is made strong. So get out the way, Satan, because God is going to do what he wants to do through me. See, you can build up confidence, amen, in the truth that God is a deliverer. He is a strong tower. He is help in the time of need. See, it's all about God anyway, isn't it? So we look at the text and we find out that he goes on to say, will they fortify themselves? No. See, that was the wrong question. No, the Lord will fortify them. Amen. Will they offer sacrifice? Surely they will. Amen. And so will we. We will continue to sacrifice for the Lord no matter what it looks like. Amen. Will they complete it in a day? Well, maybe or maybe not. It's up to the Lord. Amen. See, folks try to try to size you up. They try to count you up and well, look at what they're doing today and it, They've been working on that a week and it's still not done. But remember that the Lord does not count slackness like men count slackness. The Lord knows when he wants it done and it will be done in due time. Even Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, he didn't die when folks wanted him to die. He didn't bring about salvation at the time folk wanted him to. Because folk would have said, well, if he had to die, why didn't he die 6,000 years B.C.? Why didn't he die 4,000 years B.C.? But no, he died at the appointed time. The Bible said in due season. So the time at which Christ died was perfect because that was the perfect plan of God. And whatever time it takes you to do what God has called you to do, it's the perfect time. Whether it's a day or whether it's 10 days, whether it's a year or 10 years, whether it's 20 years, 30 years, whatever time it is set, In his own time because it's in God's perfect time. Amen? Amen. So don't get discouraged when folks start talking about how slow you are and getting stuff done. How it ain't moving fast enough. That don't make no sense. Well, you just trust the Lord because you know that the Lord is going to do what he said he's going to do. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. What he has started in you, he will what? Complete it. Amen? So we look at our text and we see now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. And he said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break it down their stone's wall. He'll break down their stone wall. Well, the folk are going to discourage your work. They're going to look at your work and say, that ain't going to hold up. Why are y'all trying to have that ministry? I mean, who's going to be involved with that? Who's going to actually be helped by that? I mean, where are you going to do that at? What, don't you know where you are? Don't you know what, what environment you're in? Don't you know what race or what people you are? I mean, you can't do this. You can't do that. It's so feeble that just a little bit of stress on it will cause it to crumble. You can't listen to folks disparaging words about you or your ministry. Amen. You got to press on in the confidence of the Lord, Deacon Johnson. And when we look at our text, look what the man of God does. It's not shown here, but by implication you can clearly see is that when all of this began, all of this disparaging words, all of this slander, that great godly man, Nehemiah, who was not a prophet, not a priest, Not an apostle, not an evangelist, but one who loved God, he began to pray. As we said in the outset of this series of lessons, it all begins with prayer. 
and it ends with prayer. And all in between is about prayer. Remember the words of Jesus Christ, amen, when he was talking about the parable of the persistent widow. In Luke chapter 18, he said, men ought to always pray. Some other place in the word of God, it says, pray without ceasing. You cannot be a godly leader unless you are a praying leader. It's all about prayer because if you try to get in front of God with what you think and what you think you know, amen, you find yourself in a place where you tear things up. But this is a shocking prayer here that we see in this text because usually we think of prayers and having prayers about forgiving those who are outside, forgiving those who are against the Lord. But in this particular case, Nehemiah's heart has been led to pray another prayer. Look at the text. It says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. See, Nehemiah was confident in what he had been called to do. And you must be confident as well. When you get the word from the Lord, what your ministry ought to be and what you ought to be doing, you got to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding. Amen. You have your faces set like a flint because criticism and discouragement is going to be on every side. Everybody was not on your team and there are going to be many who will come against you. And in the midst of that, you got to be a prayer. you got to stay connected with God because your encouragement, your strength, your empowerment is going to come from the Lord. You must trust and depend on God and your first action out of your trust and dependence upon him is prayer. Prayer is the principal thing. Saints of God, you're not a working leader of God unless you're a praying leader of God. And so we see, amen, that that Nehemiah realized that these guys were coming up against the mission that God had set. That God was restoring his people and they were getting in the way. So he prayed this prayer, amen, that God would not, would avenge them and that God would give them the same captivity that the people of Judah was under now. That's what he was saying. He's saying, okay, they want to talk about us. They want to scandalize our name. Lord, they are scandalizing you because this is your mission. This is your work. Give them the same meat that we got. Give them the same punishment that we've got and let them see how it is. But in the meantime, we are going to keep on doing your will. You got to dust folks off, y'all. You got to put folks on the back burner. You got to, man, that folks going to be saying stuff. You got to put that stuff down. You got to already know, look, even if it's somebody that you really respect, amen, you better not respect them more than you do God. Amen. amen. Because that's a serious situation right there. And that's what gets us a lot of times because our criticism a lot of times comes from folks who we respect amen. in a great way. But we better not let them get in between us and God. Because then they become little gods. And God said that I will have no other gods before me. I am a jealous God. So you have to even put their criticism on the side because you know what you hear from the Lord. Nehemiah was steadfast in this. And this is what you must be as well. Amen. Because God wants to use you in great ways. But you got to be able to handle some criticism because it's on its way. And you can't wait for somebody else to do what God has commissioned you to do. Amen. There are going to be some things, amen, Sister Kennedy, that God commissions you to do that your friends and and other folks that you know will criticize. But you can't give up on what God has put in your life. You know how God has gifted you, and you must run with endurance the race that has been set before you. Amen? Amen. So when you look at this text, What you find in here as well is that Nehemiah just kept on working and the people who were under him because Nehemiah didn't falter or didn't fall. Those who were with him didn't falter or fall either. 
Hold on a minute. Let's look at the text. When we look at this text, it says in verse 6, so we built, so we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. When you are a leader of God, you are not leading in a vacuum. There are others that are watching you to see whether or not you are confident in what you believe. Because confidence is infectious. Deacon Johnson, when you do the things for the Lord and you're out there talking with folks, you talk with confidence and it's infectious. Confidence is attractive. Even if folk were scratching their heads, sometimes they may decide to come alongside what you are talking about because they see your confidence. They realize that where is this confidence coming from? And they want to know more. And because you are confident, they can be confident. See, Nehemiah had to stand and he had to be confident in who he was. He had to be comfortable in his own skin. And you got to be comfortable in your own skin too. Because if not, folks will talk about you. Folks will, 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 will demoralize you. Folks will talk about your very being. And if you're not confident in who you are, you will fall down in exasperation and say, what's the use? You will go down in discouragement and won't do a thing for the Lord. You got to be confident that you know who you are and whose you are. Right. Now that's important to know not just who you are, but whose you are. To know that you are a child of God and you are his child. And that you must know the promises that he has given you. So that when folk come talking any and everything, you can brush that stuff off and keep on moving because the work still needs to be done. And we find out that Nehemiah and a gang of Judeans, amen, continue to build the wall up to its half height. You must realize that this wall is not just like a wall that we have in the church. No, this is a wall that's many feet wide and many feet tall because chariots would ride up and down this wall. This is a fortified wall. This is a wall that's designed to fortify a city from its enemies. And we see even in the midst of this criticism that they are continuing to build, that the wall is now half the height that it needs to be. And you have to keep building in the midst of your criticism as well. You've got to keep on building and keep a mind stayed on the work. Because as you keep your mind on the work, those who are following you will keep their minds on it. But they're looking for a leader. If you haven't seen by now, there is something interesting about the way God had his world set up. Is that there are folks out here who have ideas but no implementation. They have a bunch of ideas, but they want somebody else to implement. Wow. And a lot of them ideas stay just that, ideas. Because the way God has this world set up is if he gives you the idea, he wants you to be the first one to implement and then as you implement, others look upon what you're doing and they see what the progress is going on and then people see something going somewhere and then they want to follow. Nehemiah didn't start out telling the Judeans about the idea and then sitting back in the palace in Persia, did he? No, he got on his horse after talking to his king and got 800 miles down the road, did some surveillance, did some, some, some counting up the cost, and then began the work. And he started by the one with the idea and actually the one who started the implementation. Yeah. See, a lot of times we get discouraged and despair because we got this great idea, but won't nobody get on board. Well, the question is, have you got on board? Because it's got a first start with you. He gave you the idea. When you got the idea, you got to step out first and start implementing. And then those who are around side can catch on to the fire that's in you. Amen. It starts with you. Out of one man, a movement can occur. Out of one woman, when Rosa Parks decided she was going to stay set down, she wasn't going to move. It started a movement. 
The work that Martin Luther King did, it started with one man, but he had to first start the work and then others started to follow. That has not changed today. If you want a movement to occur, you want a ministry to get off the ground that God has given you, you are the one one. You are the one that has to start it and then others will get on board. Amen. But you got to be confident in knowing that you have got the word from the Lord and be confident in what he has said to you, regardless of what folks say, regardless of what you see and move forward. And God will do the rest. The Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. That principle shows up all over the place, doesn't it? It shows up even in shelter, even in food, even in clothing. In the context of that passage, he was saying to them, don't worry about that, worry about me. Whatever I've told you to do, get about that and I'll fix all the rest for you. You ain't got to worry about it because I'll add it unto you. You have come out with the, with the vision that God's given you and you look around and you say, hmm, but I don't see nobody. I don't, I don't see nobody who's willing to work. I, maybe I shouldn't do this because there ain't nobody who wants to start with me. But you don't live by sight. You live by faith. Well, so you must believe, even though you don't see nobody right now, that God has given you and he will give you what you need. Yeah. You go and let God handle the rest. Amen? He can bring folks out the bushes. He can bring drunks and he can bring all kind of folk and he can save them and put them on your team and y'all can run hard for the Lord because you don't know how God's going to do it. You just got to trust him by faith. Don't never allow the things that you see discourage you and cause you to believe what God has given you, amen, is not right. Because seeing can always deceive you. Because the enemy is all about sensual things. He is the great deceiver. This is his world right now. So he's got deception on every hand. You don't work by what you see. You work by who you know and what's been given to you by the Lord Almighty. Amen? Amen. And as we come to a close here in our text today, I want you to know that the more you work, (laughs) the more you do for the Lord, the angrier your enemy is going to get. Amen? Just, just, Just wait on it. It's on its way. Amen. But don't get discouraged because that's just how it's supposed to be. Look at the text. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashadites heard the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed that they became very angry. Now, isn't it amazing how many willing participants the enemy has to come up against your work? Isn't it interesting how this number keeps multiplying? But you know what's so good about this? It doesn't matter if this number multiplies by 10, by 20, or by 200. (laughs) Still greater is he that's within you than he is in the world. Still no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Still when the enemy tries to come in like a flood, that God can raise up a standard against them. See, it does not matter. But the reality is, is that you ought to see more enemies coming against you the more you proceed in the things of God. But the reality is you stay strong in the Lord because he can still fight your battle and he's still already won. Amen. So you just keep on pressing. But you know what this does for you, y'all? When you're working for the Lord, hard for the Lord, and trying to do for for the Lord, and your enemies keep coming up with more slander, becoming more angry, becoming more vehement toward you, all it is is an indicator that you're on the right track. When you got folk talking all crazy to you, coming out of nowhere, you hardly even know them, but they're all up in your business trying to figure out what you're doing and trying to send you another way, you just say, thank you, Lord, for the indicators. Amen. And you just keep on running. 
because you know, all right, I must be on the right track. Man, if they're so concerned about what I'm doing, then what I'm doing must be making a difference. Thank you, Lord. And you keep on running. And so we see in the text that we see that when they became angry and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. One last thing as I come to a close here in this text is that your enemy multiplies as you continue to work the work that God has placed before you. They end up multiplying and they become more vehement and they become more angry. But what ends up happening as well is they conspire against you. One thing you must know about these Ammonites and the Arabs and the, and the Horonites and the Chebusites, they weren't friends. They weren't friends. But in the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of the enemy and his kingdom, Amen. Even those who don't like one another will come together in order for a common enemy, especially when it's those in the kingdom of God. All you want to see enemies come on the same team, start doing something for the Lord, and it's starting to take track and starting to tear down the walls of the kingdom of the devil. You watch folks who have fought and fussed and fight with one another constantly stop fighting and start getting on the same team because they're trying to stop you. Because they realize, amen, those imps that are behind the scenes realize that now they got to get on board with one another, amen, because they got to stop the common enemy. See, the devil is a lie. And he was a lie from the very beginning. Matter of fact, he is the father of lies. Not only that, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. See, the devil is, is, a, is, a, is a sadistic being. He, he's, he's, he's psychotic because the devil won't just try to destroy those who are his adversaries, the kingdom of God, but he tries to destroy those who are supposedly on his team. See, the reason why the Jebusites and the Ammonites and the, and the Horonites fight against one another when they don't have a common enemy is because Satan is a destroyer. Satan doesn't love anybody. Amen. He will destroy his own. Amen. Because that's what he does. But he understands that the greatest enemy that he has is the kingdom of God. So once he sees a rumbling in the kingdom of God's camp, once he sees that sleeping giant wake up, now he wakes up and he knows how to twist and to turn those who are his, amen, to get them on board with one another to come against you. But once again, when you see the enemy trying to come in like a flood, just say, thank you, Jesus, because you just showed me an indicator that I'm on the right track. And you keep on pressing and you keep on working because the Lord will see you through. As this text says, there will be confusion in the camp. But that's all right, because the Lord has a way of straightening things out. As we saw in Sunday school this morning, amen, that every mountain will be made low and every valley will be raised up. We find out that the Lord has a plan, amen, to take down your enemies. And that even in the midst of your trouble and confusion, even when the clouds are dark and the lightning is flashing and the billows are rolling, even when the tornado are coming and the hurricanes are flowing that God still has you in the palm of his hand and that we found out this morning that they that wait upon the Lord he shall renew their strength Uh, they shall mount up wings like eagles Uh, they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint Uh, you must run this race that has been given to you running with endurance to the very end because God is willing and able to see you through you just keep on building and keep on working for the Lord and one of these days it won't be very long that you will see your master face to face and he will say to you good well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a few things now I'm going to make you ruler over many saints of God be encouraged that even though criticism comes with the territory that is just an indicator that you're on the right track with the Lord amen 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 praise the Lord Saints of God, amen. I'm hoping that there was something said today, amen. 
that will encourage you along the way. It is a tough time for the church right now. Amen. There's a lot of distractions and there, there's a lot of folks that are falling by the wayside. But you trust in the Lord. Whether few or whether many. And whatever vision God has given for you, you got to see it through. You can't give up. You can't come down off the wall. You got to keep on building. At this time, there may be somebody here today. Amen whose walls are torn down, whose gates are burned because you don't know the Lord as your Savior. You've been around God. You've been around the things of God, but you don't know God. Well, a day is a day to get to know God in the pardoning of your sins. Today is a day to say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of you as my Savior. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come in me and live in me and do in me what I cannot do for myself. Lord, change me and rearrange me. Pick me up out of the muck and mire and place my feet on solid ground. I'm tired of living my own way. I'm tired of doing things my own way. I'm tired of suffering and errors in my spirit and my heart that I know there's got to be an answer. And I want you to be that answer today. That's all because Jesus has already did the heavy lifting. He's already died on the cross. He's already been buried. He's already been raised from the grave. But he's sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting to hear from you. Waiting to hear you say, Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, come into my heart. And today can be that day of salvation. You can know the Lord today. Come unto Jesus while you have time. Come unto expect criticism in your life. But never forget when it comes that it's just an indicator that you're on the right track. Even when it seems like they're going to damage what you are working on. Trust God to see you through. Because I found out that God has a way of putting down your criticizing. Put down those who slander you and makes a way out of no way. For every child who obeys their master. Amen? Amen. 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 If there is, uh, if our hearts and minds are clear, amen, let us stand for our benediction. Amen. 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 Oh, uh, real quickly, uh, Sister, Sister Bond and Sister, Sister Terry. Could I see y'all for a few minutes after service? All right. Amen. Amen. Where he leads me.
Father, Lord, we bless your name, Master, for all that we have seen and heard on today. Lord, thank you for a sufficient amount of health and strength, Lord, to come again to the house of the Lord. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you keep us, Lord. Lord, each in our different respective ministries, oh God. Lord, to keep building, Lord, and to keep doing your will in a world full of chaos and destruction. And Master, we thank you for the opportunity to be in the fold, to be part of the household of faith, to be part of the kingdom of God. Lord, that we have this blessed opportunity to serve you until we die. Lord, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, keep every soul under the sound of my voice and those who were not able to be here on today. That in that great getting up morning, there won't be very long. Lord, that we will be in the coronation together saying howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And Lord, as we give in our offering, O oh God, Lord, let this offering be used for kingdom business, for edification of the kingdom of God. And we want to be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory as we go from this place to our prospective homes and other destinations. Lord, put your holy hedge of protection around us and keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the whole church said, Amen. Please be seated and obey the ushers. 